0: As you're turning there, I want to thank you for your continued prayers for Emma and our family. We are still in the process of getting settled in and I've discovered that the majority of life is a process. Uh, You try to figure out the normal and work with that. Uh, Emma is still doing well. We're still seeing things that just amaze us. Last night, uh, about 9 o'clock, Emma was very alert and awake and Jody was quizzing her. Asking her math questions, and Emma was mouthing the answers. One plus two, three. She was mouthing, and she asked her Emma, "What is your mamaw's name?" And she said, "She mouthed it. She can't vocalize yet, but she mouthed Susie." And then Jody asked her Emma, "What's your dad's mom's name?" And she said, "I'm a Jean." And so, just things like that that we are greatly, greatly encouraged by so thank you for your prayers and, and your continued support we are grateful to God Amos you're probably thinking Amos really out of 66 books Amos in the minor prophets why in the world Amos well I'm glad you asked that because I want us to spend the next three months getting to know why Amos now I recognize that the minor prophets and they're only minor because their books are shorter their messages are no less important than Daniel or Jeremiah or Isaiah they were just a little briefer uh, than those prophets but their message, oh their message still carries the same weight because it is a message from the Lord and it's a message that we need to hear today so for the next Three months, we're going to be working our way through the prophet Amos because I think there are things that the church needs to hear from Amos. God wasn't trying to write an essay and to figure out words he could just insert to meet his quota. Every word of the scripture is given according to God's will and for his purpose. And our danger today is that we begin to skip over the things that we don't like. Because that's the society we live in. You See, think even of how we listen to radio today. Now, back in the day, we had AM and FM. I'm hearing revival break out. And it was, if you didn't like the song, you either changed the channel or you just waited. But now, but now there are programs, apps, Pandora, Spotify where you select the songs you write and then, or you like not the songs you write unless you're Barry Manilow which is a whole different issue you can like certain songs and there's this algorithm then that begins to select songs based on what you like so that every song that comes up is a song that you like our danger is this, is that we take that mentality and we apply it to the Scripture. Oh, I like that part of Joshua where God goes in and says, Conquer your enemies, but oh, I, just, I don't know if I like that part about going in and destroying everything. You know, I, I like that part about Jesus being the little baby in the manger. Oh, I love that. I love Christmas. I love the baby in the manger. But, oh, when he gets to turning over tables... I'm not so sure I like that Jesus. Oh, I like the Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount that, that blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Oh, I like that. But when he gets to that part about, oh, if your eye offends you, it's better to remove it. I just, ooh, I don't know about that. We don't have the option of picking and choosing what we like about the Word of God. Usually when we think of the prophets, we pick out certain passages. Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you but to love justice, to do mercy, and to act kindly? I like that. But that's couched in a broader message. So Amos has a word for us today. And that one word is the word challenge. See, the prophets would challenge us. They would challenge us to remain faithful. They challenge us because as long as you and I live in this world, we are going to have an inward pull that takes us away from God. That's our sin nature. Our natural course is bent away from Him. And I like to think of it in terms of of a water pot that is boiling. You turn up the heat and eventually the water is going and it's bubbling and it's warm. But what happens after a time when you, you turn the heat off? The water starts to cool down. The prophets speak to us to say, keep the fire going. Remember who God is. In fact, that's one of the the most frequently repeated commands in the Old Testament. Remember God. Remember your deliverer. Remember Yahweh. Don't forget because your tendency will be to get caught up in the busyness of life so that you don't think of spiritual things. The prophets appear upon the scene saying, remember God. Come back to him. You see, it's sad. We think of the prophets as angry. But their message was one of God's love. God's love that says, I care for you enough to challenge you in the areas where you may be drifting away from God. And we need that message of challenge, not just because inwardly we tend to drift, but because outwardly we live in a world that works like the undertow in the ocean. It is working to pull us away. Its voices are like the siren songs in ancient Greek mythology that lure sailors to their death. The world promises to give us the satisfaction that only God can. And if we are not careful, we begin listening to those voices rather than the voice of God. And the prophets come to say, don't be lured in by the glitter of the world, because you'll find that it's only fool's gold. So we need to hear the message of the prophets. And where I want to start today is taking a look at this man Amos and what we can know about him and his message. So we're going to look at two passages. One, the first one, will be in Amos chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to look over to chapter 7 in verses 10 through 17 because those passages give us insight into who Amos is and characteristics of his life that that we would do well to imitate. Characteristics of his life that challenge us. So let's start, if we would, now in chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastors and the shepherds mourn, and the top of Carmel withers. Now if you will, look over to chapter 7. Between chapter 1 and chapter 7, Amos has been fulfilling his calling and preaching. His message is recorded. But now, chapter 10 changes, or chapter 7 changes a bit. In chapter 10, we hit a bit of narrative, of, of an autobiographical narrative where Amos is confronted by the powers of his day. A high priest named Amaziah and a king named Jeroboam. So this is almost like a a parenthesis in the middle of the message just to remind us that the truth of God's word will face challenges. Verse 10, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah and eat bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a prostitute in the city and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I pray that you'll give us ears to hear. Speak to our hearts, O Lord. And incline our hearts to obey you. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. The word of the Lord speaks to us so that we will be guided to walk in God's purpose. And we would know his glory. To reach that end we are challenged. We are challenged in three ways by the prophet Amos. Three ways that his life challenges us. In the areas of our authority. The area of fighting complacency. And in the area of faith. Let's start with the one I mentioned second, complacency. The prophet Amos shows up on the scene to speak to a people in real time, dealing with real things, facing real challenges. I love how chapter 1 begins setting the historical context. Who was Amos? He was a shepherd. And the word shepherd is really one that means he was more than just one who watched over a flock. He was actually a breeder. He was probably a businessman who oversaw a herd, his own herd, breeding it so that it could be sold to other ranchers or farmers. He was also a fig picker. Apparently he owned a pasture of fig trees. That's what he was. That's how he made his living. This was a common man like you and I, seeking to put bread on the table, to love his family, and to walk with his God. But notice he also lived in a specific time. When did he live? In the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, king of Israel, two years before the great earthquake. See, this reminds us that the words of the prophet are not the words of a fairy tale. This is not something that says, Once upon a time in a land far, far away, there was a man by the name of Amos. No, no. This was a man that lived in real times, facing real challenges. And the challenges came, first of all, in the area of becoming complacent. History tells us that in the reigns of Uzziah and in the reigns of Jeroboam, two different kings over two different nations. You see, Israel was at one time one nation, but they underwent a civil war. And after the civil war, the one nation became two. There was the northern kingdom that retained the name Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. And here's the irony. Amos is from Judah. Tekoa is in the northern part of Judah, but he is called to go up into Israel. So he goes from Judah into their enemy Israel to preach the word of the Lord. So you can see from the get-go, he's probably not going to be received with open arms. But his message was one that needed to be heard. You see, under Uzziah and Jeroboam, it was a time of prosperity. It was a time where the nations were growing and they were encouraging their greatest economic upturn since the times of Solomon. If there had been a stock market in that day, it would have been at an all-time high. If there had been an unemployment rate, it would have been extremely low. It was a time where the economy was expanding and people were becoming comfortable. And as they were becoming comfortable, they were also becoming complacent. When things were good materially, they became bad spiritually. The issue was not prosperity. The issue was how the people responded to the prosperity. The issue was when they began to prosper, did they focus more and more on how to get more for themselves to make life more comfortable? Or did they focus on God saying, Lord, you have given me this prosperity. How can I use it for your kingdom? they instead of seeking God began to seek a life that was at ease and complacent and their ease led them into a place of spiritual apathy where simply when it came to the things of God, they were content to have things on cruise control where as long as they were comfortable, they didn't really care about anything else or anyone else. And Amos comes to call the people of God out of that complacency. We will always have a tendency to become complacent. It is always a temptation to us. That's why continually in the Old Testament, God says, remember who I am. Remember from where I have called you. That's why in the New Testament, the danger of complacency is addressed, especially in the book of Revelation, where He says, you have forgotten your great need before me. You think things are comfortable, but really, things are not good. We must take care that we do not fall into a complacency brought about by prosperity, because if our only goal is ease in this life, we've missed the point. The issue is not how much we have. The issue is, are we seeking God? Are we seeking Him? Because we will always seek the smooth waters. I read an anecdote by a man by the name of Palmer Chinchin. He was kind of an adventurer. So he had traveled down into the edge of western Zimbabwe to raft the Zambezi River. He recounts this story as they got in the raft at the base of Victoria Falls, the largest waterfall in the world, over a thousand foot drop. In fact, the water, the mist of the water, is so great the locals call it the smoke that thunders because of the deafening roar of the water. He said, We're there in the raft. It's an eight man raft. We are getting strapped into these thick life preservers that are almost like winter coats. And they give me this crash helmet. Now, note to self, if you have to wear a crash helmet to go down a river, think twice about that. You see, the Zambezi River is unique. Here in the United States, they rank the rapids of rivers from one to five, and the worst rapid you can go down in the United States is a level five. The Zambezi is a level eight rapids. Things didn't get much better. Palmer said that the raft guide began talking to them, and he said this, When the raft flips, wouldn't it have been good to hear if it flips or by just accident if it turns over? But no, he looked at them and said, when this raft flips, now listen to these words, stay in the rough water. He said, you will be tempted to swim to the smooth water that's at the edge of the river, but don't do it. Palmer was curious about this because, you know, if you're in dangerous rapids and you're out of the boat, getting to calm water seems like a good idea. So he said, excuse me, excuse me, why is it a bad idea to go to the the calm water on the side? The The raft instructor said, if you go into the calm water, you'll be eaten by a crocodile. That's where the crocodiles wait for animals to come and drink so they can kill them. Stay out of the calm water. Second note to self. Stay in the rough water. The calm water looks smooth, but it will be deadly. And that's a warning to our souls. It's a warning to us to say, Lord, I need to seek you and not let material wealth be my only goal in life. If God blesses materially, praise be his name. If he doesn't, praise be his name. But I will seek you. Amos speaks to challenge us in the midst of our prosperity he also seeks to challenge us in the area of authority this is where I want to turn over to chapter 7 now chapter 7 as I said this is a text verses 10 through 17 where Amos is now as it were called on the carpet you see his preaching was upsetting the people they didn't want to hear his message and it was upsetting particularly to the powers that be Two main powers at that time, Amaziah, who was the high priest, and Jeroboam, who was the king. But really, the high priest worked for the king. Notice what he says in verse 13. He says to Amos, don't prophesy at Bethel. Now, Bethel was the place they had set up as their religious capital. Why shouldn't he prophesy at Bethel? It's the king's sanctuary. It's a temple of the kingdom. It's not Yahweh's sanctuary. It's the king's. So Amos, if you're going to preach there, you better say the things that the king wants to hear. Otherwise, that's it. In fact, he says, Amos, you need to leave town. So now Amos is thrown into this test where he must answer the question, whose authority will you submit to? Will you submit to the authority of the powers that be that are telling you, do not preach the word of God? Or will you submit to Yahweh who has called you and will you be obedient to him? You see, Amos has been accused of treason. Notice in verse 10, the priest says to the king, Amos is conspiring against you in the midst of the house. He's saying that the land's not able, or that you're going to be taken away into captivity. Verse 11, he said, you're going to die, king. He said, the land's going to go into exile. You cannot have this. So the issue comes down. What authority will you lean toward? Now, we may never stand in the presence of political power, but every day you will face the issue of authority. You will face the issue of whose authority will you follow? All of us will follow an authority of some point. We will look, we will look somewhere to someone to guide us. We may say, well, I'm my own authority, but guess what? Your view of authority of what is right and wrong has been shaped by something, by tradition or by the Word of God. You may look to opinion polls. You may make your decisions based upon what the majority says is right or wrong, but recognize the majority can be very wrong. We need to remember that our authority is ultimately God and His Word. What does it say in the Proverbs? Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all that you do. You see, if we don't look to God, we are setting ourselves up on a course of disaster. That's why the message of a prophet is a message of love. It is a message to say, turn and follow God. You see, we think of the message of the prophets as this one-note, repetitive chorus of repent, repent, and repent. And some of us are tempted to think, well, that's just Old Testament. Pastor, we need New Testament. But you know, this week in the community Bible reading, I was reminded of something. Luke chapter 5. Guess what Jesus came preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, the last time I checked, Luke is in the New Testament. Gosh, that sounds very Old Testament, doesn't it? The message of repentance is an act of God's love that says the authority that you're going on is one that will lead you to your death. And as an act of love, God intervenes to say, turn, turn toward me. But we bristle under that. Because somewhere we are convinced that that we know best The way that I'm on is different from what has happened to everybody else. Oh, it may have happened to them. It may have happened to them, but it won't happen to me. You know how many people throughout history have thought the same thing? There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. And so Amos says, whose authority am I going to trust? Well, his answer is clear. Look at how he responds, and he responds in faith. He responds in faith. So the issue of complacency, we need to seek to be passionate for God. Our authority needs to be God, and we need to trust Him when we are tried in the fire. Amos' response is in verses 14 through 17. He answers him, I was no prophet or a prophet's son. You know why he says that is because of what Amaziah says in verse 12. Amaziah says, go flee to Judah and eat your bread there. He basically accuses Amos of being a professional prophet. He's saying, you're only in this for the money, Amos, because there, were a class, there was a class of professional prophets. And he's saying, Amos, you're just trying to make a buck, so go back home. Go back to Judah and make a buck there. And Amos says, you've missed the point. He says, I'm not a professional prophet. I'm not a disciple of the prophet. You don't want to know who I am? I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. That's who I am. But God called me. The Lord took me from following the flock and God said to me, go and prophesy. Amos begins to come to the point where he says, my faith is in God and his calling. No matter what the consequences may be. I I love the fact that Amos is just an ordinary man a herder but when God calls God empowers you see some of us when we hear the call the plea go out we need people to give their devotion we need, need people just to share their testimony the excuses start going well, I can't talk in front of people I wouldn't know what to say I'm just a I, I, just, I just work construction that's what I do Amos was a herder do you think God says you know you're right I could not work through you do you think God is stumped when we say Lord who am I that you could use me that God says you know you got a good point I'll get somebody else God works through us you see you're not just a school teacher Believer, you are a school teacher empowered by the Spirit of God to accomplish God's purpose. You're not just a salesman. You're a salesman bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, empowered for His purpose and for His kingdom. You don't just work in a factory. You are a Christian empowered by God to accomplish His purpose. Your call may not be to prophesy, but the call of every believer is to share the gospel. And God will empower to that end. It is an issue of faith to trust God. And remember who He is. I wonder when Amos was at that moment where they are saying, don't preach, that he remembered what he had said in chapter 1 verse 2 when he said, the Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem. The pastors of the shepherds mourn and the top of caramel withers. And he recognizes that God is not a toothless lie. I will trust the lion rather than the king. So this issue of complacency and authority and faith all coalesce to say, will we trust God? See, that's why the words of the prophet are so applicable to us today. Because the same issues they face are the same issues we face. Will we be at ease? Will we become complacent? And the choice before us is the choice of the people of God. Will we obey God? Or will we continue to rebel? Once again, I was reminded this week in Luke 4 in the community Bible reading, Jesus, as Nathan read earlier, was preaching in Nazareth. And he uttered the words, The prophet is not without honor in his hometown. In other words, the prophet won't be respected among his own people. Then he told it an illustration. He said, Elijah came preaching in Israel and the people did not hear his voice. So, guess what? It was a widow outside of Israel in Zarephath that saw the power of God and experienced the blessing of God. Jesus was drawing an analogy. They did not listen to Elijah, so they did not receive the blessing or see the power of God. Jesus says, I am here. I'm among my people. If you do not receive me, you will not see the power of God and receive the blessing of God and an overarching truth is this how we respond to the words of the prophet Amos in this case Jesus as the prophet of God will determine will we see his power in our lives will we experience his blessing So that's where the rubber, if you'll pardon the cliche, meets the road. The areas of authority, complacency, and faith. Are you seeking the Lord in each of those? I want to ask you to bow your heads with me if you will.